0: Hey guys, Jared here. What you are about to listen to is the final episode from our marathon recording session back on December the 11th. Uh, as we filled the uh, memory card, we filled the bank for the holiday season. So after this, we have none left in the cubby hole, and we will have to start recording again, which will be a new season. But uh, this next episode, I feel, is probably going to be Probably the most sensitive one we've done. Definitely the best content, I think. Uh as uh <clears throat> Todd approached me about an issue and, and we took it ten different directions. It, it's about uh mental health and Freemasonry and uh I open up about uh what I've been going through, which uh I mean everybody has problems, everybody has sob stories, but I manage uh, you know, Todd encouraged me to speak about what I had going on a little bit, and that's what I did. So, uh, this, again, this is the final episode from the marathon recording session last month. Uh, we appreciate your guys' support, and we hope you enjoy it.
1: podcast which one todd
2: not that one the other one ah the other one right on
1: brother jared atkins
2: i'm brother todd whaley
1: bethlehem lodge 574 and beautiful middle of nowhere bird's eye indiana
2: <laughs> where is bird's eye
1: about that far from a bird's butt man <laughs> like
2: that far that's how big the bird is that's right <laughs> <laughs> so what we got now well i mean one thing I think a lot of people these days are struggling with, not struggling with, some people may just enjoy the hell out of it. I don't know. But uh, mental health in Freemasonry.
1: Well, mental health is uh, something I take serious now as a survivor of suicide almost four years ago. Yep, so yep. Uh, I'm all ears.
2: Well, I know um, everyone goes through downsparks, parts of their life. I mean, you went through your know, divorce and everything. And,
1: uh, and in my like marriage that. almost cost me my life. I yeah, almost exactly. took it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I went through a bad breakup after high school and everything. It was a girl I thought I was going to marry. And i ain't glad. You know, I look back now, it's the best thing to ever happened to me. Fart in the wind, man. Well, yeah. But, you know, my opinion is, you know, you have to go through the bad times to be in the good times. Exactly. So I see that now. Back then, I didn't see that. But that's a different story. But um, I think I've talked to a lot of people who... You know, and I've asked here and there, like, hey, you know, what do you like about Freemason? Well, it helps me center myself. It helps me. It makes me happy. It gives me something to do. It gives me a purpose. And I'm like, okay, I kind of get that. But, you know, with me, I get giddy if I'm out and I drive past the Basak Lodge. I mean, that makes me happy. Don't just, hey, look, there's a Basak Lodge. Look at that. Hey, look, there's a Basak bumper sticker. There's a, you know, I always see stuff like that. That that makes me happy to be glad. And, you know, makes in my mind, I think it gives it, you
1: endorphins. Endorphins it, it, make you happy. It's
2: always a good day to see a mason. Or if you since I've been so involved in all this, that I go looking for it. When I see it, I'm happy I saw it. You know, it's like you'll know, see my kids smile or making my kids laugh, do a good old belly laugh, stuff like that. Um And that, you know, that helps me, you know, get my mental health, keep it going, keep me, you know, my brain going which way I want to go and everything. It keeps me now. Is there times in in my life now that I'm you know sad and I'm not I'm kind of depressed a little bit? Yeah, I mean there's times all the time, <laughs> but you know like I heard somebody say one time it's like the emotions you feel when things are bad you're supposed to feel that. You know when times are good you're supposed to be happy. When something bad happens you're supposed to be sad. You don't need to necessarily go see a doctor about it, take a pill do this that and the other. Now I know some people have. A serious chemical imbalance, a, mental, a serious mental illness, where they have to take something to help them get through it. Absolutely, 100%. Whatever you need to get through it, you need to get through it. I mean, I, I dated a girl one time. She was on medication for you know, some kind of mental illness. She, she wouldn't explain it to me, and I didn't expect her to. I mean, I wanted to help her, but really, I couldn't. You know. And I always wonder, you know, what does masonry do for you as far as your mental health? I mean, does it help you? Does it hurt you? Does it give too much on your mind? So,
1: oh, this is fun. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, if we're gonna bear all and and bear all, and, Man, and we don't need to go deep, deep, no, deep. no. But as, as Todd knows, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, four year almost February 4th, 2019. I tried to take my own life, I wasn't back active in Lodge again until uh October of 2021. So There was a a two-and-a-half-year period there where I still wasn't back in masonry. But uh, when I came back into masonry, I just lost my grandfather. Uh, My life was in ruin. I was drowning in debt, never had a credit card. I was just in in medical debt, debt beyond debt. I was behind on my house and everything. So I started the process of of, uh, bankruptcy and and just, just getting a fresh start in life. I was drowning myself, and going back into Lodge in October 2021, while well, my life's going down the drain, and I just lost my grandfather a month prior. gave me something to anchor myself to, and i and I think I've I mean, really I've it. told you that mm-hmm. off air before. It I was looking for something to ground myself to because I felt like my life was being just I was being sucked inside a vortex, yeah. like I was drowning in debt. I had no way to get out. I was working two jobs, not getting anywhere. Uh, you know, I only see the kids, you know, every other weekend. Uh, you know, uh, and once, once a week and then every other weekend I would see the kids and, the, and then, and then just the debt and the loss of my, like everything was waiting on me. Like I, I was literally, in low
2: spot. well, and,
1: and if we're going to be completely honest, and I've only told this to, I've only told this to one other person besides you. Uh, if we're being honest, when all this stuff really started hitting the fan about the time I came back into Lodge, uh, in October of 2021, it was a good time because I'm telling you, if I'm being honest, the thoughts were starting to come back about you know what I didn't get this done the first time.
2: Is it all worth it? Is it, Is it all
1: worth it? I, I'm gonna get. I, I can get this done the second time, and you know, here I am, a year and a half removed from my first attempt or two and a half years removed from my first attempt, nobody's going to think nothing about me ever trying it again. Because I was feeling that bad inside. Oh, yeah. Well, well going back into Lodge and traveling, get, just getting out of the house. Like, I was working two jobs. Right. I was working at the factory. And I was working at the grocery store. But getting out and going to... Uh, a degree, just giving me a reason to go home from work, change up, put on nice clothes, yeah, and get out of town, get out of the house for four hours, make
2: yourself feel pretty, you know. Yeah, and, you know, and I'm
1: I'm I a big boy, I'm an ugly boy. It takes a lot to make me feel pretty now. I mean, yeah, but wash
2: that, yeah, wash that pig hard. I, that's right, gotta wash <laughs> that pig
1: hard. But it, it gave me something, and and it's and it's just funny because you and I have talked about. My personal life a lot off the air. Me and oh, yeah. you, our friendship has now went way beyond masonry. Oh yeah, I've been to your house. We, uh this I, I was searching for something I didn't know I was searching for. Right, yeah, something to ground myself. That's usually
2: what it is, too. And you, you lost something you didn't know you you were looking for. And
1: and, and 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 what I lost was something I had had all this time mm-hmm. because I'd already taken the degrees. Yeah. You, you know, I was amazing. raised on leap year, February twenty ninth of two thousand eight. That's not something you
2: forget. No, like. huh? Well, I know the biggest thing with me is once I got out of high school, you know, I didn't go to college. All my friends did, and I hung out with them. I went and visit them quite a bit. I hung out at Ball State a lot. Went down to ISU and Purdue, stuff like that. And but I was just Purdue. <laughs> I was. Uh, I went to Lincoln Tech. Got my. got to be a diesel mechanic in eleven months. And that 11 months, my girl broke up with me. She wanted to, she's a senior in high school. She didn't wait on me. And I look back now, I was like, well, why should she have? You know, what? Nobody needs to wait on anybody. And she has her life now. I haven't talked to her really in about the last 10 years, but actually, once in the last 20 years, I really talked she's to her. She's probably life.
1: happy, married, got got a life of her own, and kids of her married.
2: own. We're friends on Facebook. She's not married, but she got a kid now and everything. She's happy she can be. And I'm happy for her. I to get, but I went through a really hard funk for that 11 months. And even longer than that, I mean, it was where I was listless. I didn't have anything. I was drinking too much. I was working all the time, going to school, drinking too much, you know, just trying to, you know, try to get through life best I knew how. Because, you know, the generation before us didn't take any mental health. They didn't give it. Just get over it. Just get over it. You
1: you know, I did did an episode last night uh, by myself without Kurt of uh, steel toes and scoreboards i did a uh, shameless plug shameless plug again i don't plug that show on here very often because uh there's a lot more profanity involved and it's pretty (laughs) stupid and it's pretty vulgar definitely opposite of what me and todd are on here but uh i did i did a weeknight chronicles episode last night without kurt when i do weeknight chronicles it's just where i cover sports news and it's in a condensed hour hour and a half format and uh I, I brought up something about mental health last night uh, of this scandal going on of this coach out at San Diego out in Cali and I didn't hear uh, about that. Yeah, uh, he's he's just this this student committed suicide and uh, his parents brought a lawsuit against the coach uh, the rowing team, you know, like getting a boat and you row. And the crew, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, um one thing I had pointed out about that is that uh I take mental health really seriously now. Prior to prior to my suicide attempt on February fourth in two thousand nineteen, I thought mental health was an absolute joke. I thought it was a I thought it was a a crutch that people used. I thought it was a, a way out. I even thought it was just. Uh, "Quote and I mean you can send me hate mail all you want. I don't think that way now, but I thought it was just it was it was a namby pamby thing
2: for wimps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but
1: once you and I told you this was going to be a good one to get on because I've got some experience with this. Oh yeah, once once you once you try to take your own life and you fail, you have to learn how to." live all over again oh yeah you literally were at the worst breaking point in your life where you tried to end your life yeah so it's basically i look at this it was the equivalent of hitting a reset button okay you have to go back through things and and learn how to see things again and prior to that i thought mental health was just Stupid! It's it wasn't real. It wasn't a real thing. It wasn't There's some
2: quacks out there trying to get you. Yeah, to, and now, man,
1: I tell you what: when I hear about someone that's being mentally and verbally abused, and and mm-hmm. you know, man, do I get defensive? Like because mental health is, uh, my God, do you think about all these soldiers and the oh, PTSD yeah. they go through? Yeah, you think about, um, you know the the trauma that goes through a shooting victim's mind that survives right? mm-hmm.
2: survivor's guilt Survi- yeah what you know you think about it, World War Two all those guys coming back World War Two seen, all their friends killed man how many the,
1: of them do you think so? I mean I
2: mean all them suffered in silence I mean they did didn't talk about it they didn't think about it didn't talk about it and now it's you know it's, it's, think it, about it, John it J work. Rambo. Oh Jesus! Really? I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious <laughs> though. Think about
1: you can't tell me that if if John J. Rambo wasn't a real person, that he wasn't suffering through.
2: Oh, I'm sure. it's true. You know, me. I mean, even you saw the first the first movie, the first Blood, and everything when they're there, kind of you know treating him like crap in the in the jail. there, spray him down. His mind was going back to Vietnam. Was ha- yeah, exactly. You know? And that's I'm sure a lot of guys. Um, I know a friend of mine. Now, I'm really a friend of Clayton, so I, don't, I say we're friends. But 4th of July, he doesn't go outside his house. All the fireworks all the probably tear are, him oh, up, dude. yeah, tears it up. Um, another guy I know, he was in Vietnam. He said diesel fuel. He hates the smell of diesel fuel because in Vietnam, it was everywhere. That brings it all right back to him. He said, And there's a lot of guys out there like that. Um, Ron Abel's uh, nephew, I think, over in uh, New Albany, he said masonry helped him out tremendously. Because, but... It's the point I was trying to get with all this is with masonry. Was, I'll, I'll go to my point of view. I'll tell you my story about this. I've always been on sports teams since I was seven years old, six years old, actually. Always had a team around me. Always, you know, had, you know, all my friends were always on my teams. Always on a team, all through high school, everything. You get out of high school and you don't have a team anymore.
1: It's all on you, buddy. Unless you
2: got a really tight group of friends, and I didn't. I mean, it's all on you. You don't have those people that pick you up when you get down or something like that. Well, I mean, I went through school and was working all the time. And then, you know, my grandfather passed away. He was 70-something years old. I saw Masonic Service. And I always known about Freemasonry, of course. I've heard to that several times on here. But I thought, you know, something, that's something I always wanted to do. I want to belong to Freemasonry. I want to be a Freemason. So my dad got me a petition for the the local lodge where I lived at, which was his lodge in Missouri. He knew some guys who belonged at lodge, so he got me a petition. They signed it for me. I went through, and that's where I found my team. That's why I enjoy going because I enjoy going. I didn't say I enjoyed going to practice. I enjoy being a practice, but not doing practice for sports, right. you know. And you know that was my team now. Okay, i now I'm part of this team, and I, that's what made me feel comfortable. And that's why I think now I think a lot of people don't have that around they don't have that team around them anymore and it, i think it kind of it kind of hurts the guys who come back from army or war whatever you want to call it they don't have their brothers around them anymore and if they join masonry maybe they'd find that maybe it's not their thing they Freemason, they joined it my brother-in-law he joined he said it wasn't really what i thought it was gonna be so i'm probably not gonna go through with this okay that's fine he got a great family bunch of friends he does fine. You know, he's I'm sure he struggled he was over in Iraq and I think he's Afghanistan with National Guard. I'm sure he has his struggles. You know, and but he's got a good a good group around him. I won't say anything bad about that. And, but, you know, those guys who don't have that's the ones I always worry about. Uh, my old roommate, he get he was he he's in the first wave of the Gulf War, the pre the most recent time over there. Yeah. He was in the rear with the gear, he was just uh, basically a tow truck driver in the Marines. And everything, But, you know, he went through a lot of shit over there. I ain't going to say he didn't. But he never really let anybody in. He had his friends and everything, but we didn't know what he went through. We didn't know what he, what was going through his mind and everything. Right. But if he would have found something like, like Freemasonry or the Elks, the Eagles, the Moose, and, you know, maybe that could have helped him some. Maybe that could have got him where he's around people who are like-minded like him or... Now he did eventually become a fireman, but I think he got injured and he had to get out of that. I think being a fireman helped him out quite a bit too. But at the same time, you know, those guys who aren't in that group, don't have people around them. I mean, yeah, you know, why are they going through? How can, how can we? I say force them to join us. But how can we make them come in and go? Hey, we're here for you. We're your brothers. We'll, we'll watch out for you. You know, I mean, I think that's what masonry gives a lot of guys. I did read one story years ago about a guy who, um, I think he came back from war, and he was looking for something like that. And his wife said, well, why don't you chat out the Freemasons? So he joined that, and his life totally changed. They had an article uh, several years ago in the Indiana Freemasonry about it. And his wife said, yeah, there's a drastic change when he joined the Masonic Lodge. Right, you know, I think that's what that's what Freemasonry has to give. I mean, not we don't have to give, but that's what we have to give to guys. We give them that comfort of family brotherhood. Yeah, look at you can't buy a beer up there. Well, it's not all about that. Sometimes it's just being with your friends. You know,
1: what do you think? I agree a hundred percent, man. So, <clears throat> so to to. To really open this up in a little bit. So, you know, 2019 and everything, the marriage is ending. You know, the, the youngest one is uh, not even a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I lose my job. Uh, <laughs> figuratively, literally, uh, this will probably be the most explicit thing I ever say on this podcast, because I like to keep a square tongue on here. Uh September 2019, I'm seven months removed from my suicide attempt and uh, the world just keeps crashing back down. We had tried a reconciliation in the summer, her and I, and I just wasn't quite where I needed to be. I I look back on that time now and think if I would have put forth a little more effort, maybe, I mean, anyways, my my job ended, I, I figuratively, literally... Could not stop stepping on my own dick. That's mm-hmm. literally what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I Later. lost my job. Things got bad. My best friend sees me, you know, worried that I'm probably going to try suicide again. Takes me out on the road working with him. I'm out on the road working. I'm be- I built a log house in Tennessee. We built a log house in Alabama. Uh, at this point, I start dating a girl I had met online. Uh, she lived in Evansville. And we formed a a good, quick connection. And uh, my kids fell in love with this woman. I fell in love with this woman. We dated a year, then we split up. We split up in September of 2020. So I had a year there from September of 2020 till September of 2021 when I lost my grandfather, which brought me back into masonry, where I wasn't doing good. My financial situation continued to worsen even though I was working two jobs. And when I tell you that you know you're asking how masonry impacted this mental health and everything i meet you face to face in this very room yeah it's out front out front whatever (laughs) october of 2021 after me and you have briefly talked online Mm -hmm. and you and i just start form i'm when i'm telling you what i said was true earlier I was two and a half years at this point removed from my initial suicide attempt. I hated life. Man, oh, yeah. I love the kids, but if I'm if I'm putting myself back to October and November of last year, I hated life, dude. I, I hated everything about it. I could not get any traction. I was oh, working yeah. two jobs, man, not two it? jobs. I was putting in 40 hours a week at the factory. I was putting in another 20 hours a week at the grocery store. I was getting nowhere.
2: Oh, yeah, just swimming.
1: I hated life. I was drowning in debt. And, and I want to and I want to drive home the point about the debt. If I would have cut bait on things and filed bankruptcy three years before, it wouldn't have been as bad. I want everybody to understand that that I I made my situation worse because I kept trying to hold on and honor these payments and these commitments mm-hmm. and these bills because that's what we're taught to do is take right. care of, of the debt that we make. I should have cut bait three years before. Yeah, and I just I I hated life, and then you know what? I started going to, to lodge meetings. Something as simple as coming home from work, showering, putting on my good jeans and my good boots mm. and a button-up shirt and coming in here and just sitting here for an hour, hour and a half for a monthly stated meeting gave me a little slice a of peace. escape from life. Peace, escape, Peace, whatever. escape, yeah. gave me something to look forward to. And then when, when I started finding out about the emails going around mm. from all the degree work that was going on, and I want to part on that. That first, dude. That first from October of twenty twenty one to January of twenty twenty two, dude. I bet you I seen ten or fifteen degrees in that small yeah. amount of time because I, I was going. I was getting out of the house. Right. I was. I had something that gave me an escape. Where would I be without this being a part of my? You've heard me tell you the story repeatedly. If my oh, grandfather yeah. hadn't passed away, I wouldn't be back right now. Yeah, well, I know. And I kept. And what did I tell you later on? The first six months I was back, I thought I was doing it as a way to honor his memory. When by the time the spring of this year rolled around, I'm like, I was doing this for me. Yeah. Because I needed something to anchor to. Mm-hmm. Without this, I don't even want to think about where I would be.
2: Well, it's like the saying I always said. I always say now is like to get what you want in your life, you have to be selfish about it. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for you. Yeah. It's like I I do this podcast. I don't do it because, you know, I think we're going to make a million dollars off of it.
1: We're not Joe Rogan, man. No.
2: I mean, I I, I do this because I enjoy talking Freemasonry. Now, if, would some donations be nice? Yes. <laughs> to help pay for something. Todd's got
1: a yes. cheap plug. His personal email. Send me a check to this. Send me a Venmo. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> uh, PayPal, Venmo, fast cash, whatever. Um, no, but I mean, I do. I like I like promote Freemasonry. I always been the kind of person. I get lost, up I want to do the absolute best at it. And to do that, you have to be a little bit selfish. I heard John Daly say that, you know, his to be a great golfer, you have to be selfish as hell, because you're not going to see your wife as much. Your kids are going, your kids aren't going to see you. You're going to be if you want to be the best at it. You have to be selfish
1: and smoke a lot of cigarettes and drink a lot of diet coke, a lot of Miller Lights too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But as far as your mental health goes, is with me. I know, especially in the last say ten years, I've been married. And I just recently, me and my wife got married in 2012. Uh, I was working Jasper Engines and everything, and we had a you know we started a family, started a life. But after a while, it's like, and there's something missing. And my wife knows it too with her life. You know, she always grew up with a lot of friends around and everything like that. And but but and she had family to lean on where I didn't have. My family's not around here. You know, they're all up north of Tipton and everything. And she had family to lean on. i said like, day, like you really have nothing. You know, who do you talk to? I said, well, nobody. I'm just, you know, just who I am. You know? Were you
1: still active in masonry when you guys were living up there? Yeah. So when you moved down here is when it stopped.
2: Yeah, whatever. Um, just just a I random
1: had, question. Why did why did you guys
2: not stay up there and choose to come down here? Well. She wanted to be closer to her family? She wanted to be close to her family. And we came out here and visited. I like the area down here. I really do. It reminds me of my home Missouri, basically. The hills, the people. Not as much meth. But anyways. <laughs> um but basically we were kind of tired <laughs> i mean
1: this is such a sensitive subject but that's the funniest thing not much math not as
2: much math uh, but which is a bad thing it's a good thing not much math but um it's a i was kind of just burnt out on living that close to Indianapolis. I mean, the traffic around Indianapolis is horrible. Yeah,
1: I hate you. That's why, yeah, 465 sucks. Yeah, but I mean, the, the whole point is everything you want right there. Yeah, every in and driving it's, distance.
2: It's easy. And it's, but I like it down here. I like the small town. Ferdinand's a very, very quiet town. I enjoyed being there and everything. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not, there's nothing he, I talked to my dad about before I made a decision to say, yeah, let's move down here. He's like, there's nothing keeping you here. There's nothing locking you down to Tipton, Indiana. If as you, as you think you can have a better life down there, go down there. My dad moved. He spent his whole life, 40, almost uh, 40-something years in Missouri to, for his job, got transferred to Kokomo, Indiana. So they moved their entire life, had no friends, nothing. Moved their entire family right up here to end up living in Tipton. which is 20 minutes south of Kokomo. But, it, you know, if you have to go where where you can make money. We'd live your life. And Jasper Engines, you know. Maybe an offer that was pretty decent. A lot less while I was making them, but it was more hours. And you were doing the diesel mechanic thing before. Yeah, I was a, I was a diesel mechanic and up there there's every little farm boy in the world will work for three dollars less than I will an hour. Yeah. And well we could train this guy. You, you ain't gotta train me. But anyways, uh we just I, I like down here, she wanted to be closer to her family. I'm like, Hey, if we can find jobs, I'll move down here and we found both found jobs. You know, which didn't matter to me at all. Now, you know, would I like to see my mom and my sitters a little bit more? I think I see them enough now. <laughs> <laughs> Just got back from Thanksgiving with your mom. Which wasn't bad, don't get me wrong. I love being <laughs> around my family. But, you know, but I don't – it ain't the fact that – I'm not the kind of person where I have to see them every day. My mom would love to see grandkids every day, don't get me wrong. And these are the first grandkids she hadn't seen every day of their life, like the rest of them. And it's driving her crazy. But I said, hey, you could move down here too. You know, you can sell your house and buy one down here, right? it's cheap. But uh, she'll never leave down there up there. But uh, where the hell are we even going with this now? You, you're uh, just talking about you moved down here oh, and everything? We down here, well, really, I had really no you close had no friends. Lodge. No lodge. Uh, well, basically, I proposed to her as I was going out of the, out, out, after being done being monarch at our monarch's installation, I proposed to her to get married and everything. So after he that we were the big rock, not really. <laughs> definitely a free rock, but that's a different story. <laughs> but um, after that, my year of being monarch, I didn't do another thing with masonry until uh, I got a hold of Bob Bragg on Facebook one day. I thought Newton Stewart was having a degree. And I wanted to go to it. And after that, my life kind of felt a little more complete. I had done something for over ten years. What year did you do you remember getting back active? When oh, it was. Uh, you guys moved down here in twenty eleven. Probably that probably two thousand nineteen. So it was almost nine, ten years, give or take. Yeah, where you go from doing it, you know, five days a week, sometimes,
1: which is easy to do again when you live up around yeah. the Indianapolis I mean, area. I
2: could travel five nights a week. I was involved in grotto. I was doing all that stuff. And going to zero, man, it's like hitting a wall. And it came at the first Friday night we we lived down here. Uh, I remember looking at her and i going, it's Friday night. She goes, yeah. I said, what are you supposed to do now? I said, ain't got work tomorrow. We're supposed to be at the Grotto on Friday nights. I said, what, what do we do now? She goes, I guess we do whatever we want. I'm like, why do we go to the Grotto? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's just it's a big thing for me. I never really had, I don't really have any close friends down here, so to speak. You, I mean, but you know, I didn't, for a longest time, I didn't have any real close friends. And you know, she goes, like, "Well, what do you do when you feel down?" I said, "Well, I feel down. You know, it's, it's gonna get better. I mean, it's, it's not like you're cutting my arm off or anything like that. I mean, it's not like my life's gonna end because I'm not going to lodge. It just, you know, yeah." Little spot there, but that you I noticed feel.
1: something different with with.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I, was, I wasn't.
1: Not uh, saying you weren't happy. We, I want to stress that. I'm not saying you weren't no, happy.
2: No, I, I wasn't. What was, I wasn't happy, I was wasn't fulfilled. I guess you say that.
1: Satiated. There's the word
2: of the day. Oh, satiated. satiated. You, you weren't satiated. <laughs> okay, but like, um, and the big thing that really happened is whenever my, you know, my dad passed away suddenly in 2013, and you know, two weeks, almost three weeks later, my daughter was born. I mean that's a lot to put on a guy, and I had nothing to really lean on when that happened. You know, I mean, I had my wife, of course, but you know, she just gave birth to a child. So, but I mean, you don't have that. You know, you don't have your dad telling you, "Hey, you need to make sure you think about this. And you need to make sure you think about that." Never had that. I was going my seat in my pants and this stuff. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. We just planned the best we could and hoped for the best. Right. You know, where I didn't have, I didn't have that. You know. I didn't have those Lodge brothers who, hey, congratulations, congratulations, need anything, need anything. really didn't have that. I mean, because I know a lot of my friends who had kids who were in Lodges like that. You know, we'd buy diapers. We'd buy formula. We'd just help, kind of help them out. Get them just, even though they could afford it, but just, hey, just so you don't get out here. Here's a couple cans of formula. Here's a here's a box of diapers. You know, it wasn't no big deal to us. We didn't have that. You know, people helped us out, but not a lot of Lodge brothers would have. You, know, you don't get that feeling like when your lodge brother helps you out. You get that warm feeling in your yeah. chest and everything. Yeah, well, I didn't really have that. I just I, not being a part of masonry was like missing a part of myself because I've been so involved into it. I enjoyed it so much. I had such a good reputation up there. I think that it's like okay, now what? And that it did affect my mental health a little bit for a little bit. If on and off, maybe you said, yeah, i really like to go to the grotto. And I got to go to some conventions here and there, you know, when they came up. And if they had something special going up there, yeah, I'd go up there for a night, you know, hang out with everybody. It'd be fun. But it wasn't like, yeah, I, I want to do this all the time. Uh, this is what I want to do. You know, and I just couldn't. Now, I in mean, back involved into it. Me and you are thinking about starting a big You know, it's like now it's starting to kind of fulfill me a little more now i'm getting back into reading you know more education and learning the ritual again and just like that That makes makes my mind a little little bit better i i occupied i posted
1: on social media um at some point earlier this year back in the spring summer uh, about this uh and i think it this was on my personal facebook page this was before the podcast i had put on there that you and i were thinking about doing a podcast which was ironic because technically in january you and i you and i did do a podcast we did two of them and then some idiot me accidentally deleted the episodes um but the, the point is, I, I had made this that, uh, I, I was going to start my quest to really start going round and round in the fraternity. Like that was when I was first looking into, um, to getting, uh, in other pennant bodies. I was looking hard at what can I do to possibly get in grand line because I had got a hold of something that was finally making me feel something other, some, some serious joy. And happiness in mm-hmm. my life, and uh, you know, it, it, you talk about. I came back to something that I was missing. You know, I want. You was talking a minute ago about a little bit of charity in this whole mental health episode. You was talking about charity,
2: mm-hmm.
1: buying diapers. Uh, in 2014, uh, I was still working down at Wapaket Foundry in Tell City. Uh, my FR uniforms caught on fire on top of the pour one night. I, I'd been on, I'd been burning for probably a good minute before I realized. So, th- so this is what we tell everybody. So t- tell a story. We get taught in training down there. And I started down there in 2010, 2009-ish, whatever. You get tired. If you smell something smoking, It's probably you. Take a step back and look because it's probably you. <laughs> and I know you people out there are going to be sitting here saying to me, like, you're an idiot. How can you not realize you're on fire? <laughs> you're sitting around. You're not wearing aluminized sleeves. Over in the melt department where they're melting the iron, we pour the iron. In the melting department, Then furnaces, they're sitting there at 2,700, 3,000 degrees. Mm-hmm. We're pouring the iron at 25, 2,600 degrees. There's that radiant heat. You're in that high heat environment all day long. Oh, yeah. So... No, you're not going to feel yourself on fire because you're used to I, – I used to tell everybody if you got exposed skin, like you ain't got a glove on or something, the heat just laps at you. It's like a snake bite yeah. just trying to, like, bite your hand. That's what the heat feels like. So you're going to feel those feelings. I obviously am way bigger than the average bear. True. I have a little bit more excess skin that hangs out on me. Yes, boo-boo. <laughs> yes. So when I caught on fire, I initially – my initial reaction in my mind was – okay, I've got a little bit of, you know, my, my, my belly sticking out above my pants just a little bit. I'm getting a little hot. It's fine. But after about a minute, I'm like, damn, that kind of hurts. I was literally standing outside trying to take a temperature of the iron bath. And I just kept like, damn, this is hot. I started doing the, the, hot, the hot dance, which is, were you wondering, the hot dance is the equivalent of the pee dance that we've all done.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: when I step back up off the autopore onto the landing, I seen smoke rolling up and I'm like, oh God, that's me. And I had these big long Stop, real, man. I had these big <laughs> long gloves on. I tried to fan the flames out. And when they wouldn't go out, I did the most logical thing I could think of. I screamed like a girl. I panicked. If I'd have just peeled my shirt off and everything right there, I'd have been fine. Yeah. But I'd been on fire for at least a minute or so, whatever. <laughs> I had a chemical on my FR uniforms. The point I'm making in all this
2: you know, is, flame retardant on your stuff so uh. yeah
1: i i i had been away from the lodge at that point for two years already and i suffered this horrific accident second and third degree burns Damn. i'm gonna i'm off work for you know I, I i'm spending the night at perry county memorial hospital i spend five nights at the burn unit L hospital and um i've been away from the lodge for about two years three years four years however many years it was this point Mm. they sent me a check in the mail this lodge right here Mm. to pay my rent yeah they they actually they sent me enough money that i could pay a month's rent because as you all well know every single one of you out there listening who work uh Short-term disability doesn't pay shit. Workman's comp does not pay anything. I can't believe I said shit on this podcast. Anyways,
2: well shit. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Anyways, they pay nothing. This they'd sent me this check to take care of my rent and buy diapers and formula because I had we'd been married two weeks when I got burnt. We had a sick Briley. Briley was only six weeks old at the time. Oh wow. We'd only been married two weeks, which that was a fun phone call to make in the nurses' station, by the Mm -hmm. way. But you know here's this thing that this, this organization this nice thing for me that I was a member of and keep talking about what made me happy uh, that made me happy that day obviously oh, yeah. that brought me to tears because I'm already I'm telling you guys right now that summer laying there at home in 2014 feeling like the most worthless piece of scum on earth because you're incapacitated you've got a three year old you've got a a, a You know, a few-month-old infant, you're married, and all the stress is on your your new bride, you know. Anyways, I don't know why I told you that story. (laughs) I I, I guess it was just, um, you know, you was talking about charity, and it made me think charity. Anytime we can talk about charity, I'll throw it in, even though this was more about mental health. But
2: Well, any kind of of charity makes you feel good about yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, you give a dollar to a homeless guy, you kind of feel good about yourself, even though you wish you could do more.
1: You know what bothers me about charity? Not in our fraternity, but just charity in general. Mm. You see the videos on social media all the time of people doing nice things, but they want to record it and put it out there all the time. Like they're like these kid, all these social media influencers that make all these thousands of dollars per video, and then they'll walk up to a homeless guy that hasn't had seen a hot meal in six months, and they give him five grand, but yet they. Like you did a good thing, but like, do you really? You put it out there and it gets a million views. That I gave a homeless guy five grand.
2: Yeah, Mr. Beast does stuff like that, but um, I will say something about Mr. Beast.
1: My my kids know this name. Mr. This,
2: Beast. this
1: this is a, this is a different this is a different example. Beast is a he's an actual genuine human being. Yeah, he, he, he has, gets a pass.
2: He has uh, well that one homeless guy he gave like a million dollars to or something like that. He actually works for him. Now he gave him a house. He gave him what? a house. Now he gave him he a had, job, too. Yeah, he actually works for his, uh, food, his food pantry that he opened up down there. Because if you ever watched Mr. Beast, which – For I'll those of you
1: that don't know, check it out. My, my uh, 11-year-old and 8-year-old and my 4-year-old all know who Mr. Beast is.
2: Yeah, me and my daughter love watching the videos. I, mean, I think he does great things. I
1: wish. This kid's not even 25, isn't he? He's younger yeah, than 25, yeah, ain't, ain't he? He's
2: about 26, 27. Oh, now. is he? Yeah, he's up there a little bit. But, you know, he he makes all his money, but he gives most of it away. And all he does, is he makes money off of YouTube, like, you know, more people do. But he also, he'll go in and buy entire grocery stores, entire grocery stores, and put the money in his food pantry, and put it back in the food pantry, and pays for all of it. I mean, you see the receipts or like a, a super CVS receipt you know <laughs> they
1: bought out an entire GameStop of every game every yeah. every single thing in the store and they donated it all to a local food pantry Toys for Tots rally or whatever yeah, it was he
2: did he bought it i thought it was real cool he bought an entire um like a sporting goods store bought everything in there called up every high school coach you could find said come get what you want you know, and just gave it to them. It's it's a great thing, but you see other people. I know during the uh, the Black Lives uh, Matters rallies up all across the country and everything. We made the first. I don't remember. Saw a video. of This girl getting out of this BMW and all dressed up, all pretty and everything. The guy was putting plywood up over his windows to protect his windows and everything. And she asked him, said, "Can I see your drill real quick?" She takes a picture, put it in a screw. Then they put a screw in. It's all fake. Take the get their picture taken, you know, to stay there with the drill guy, put this plywood up, gets back her car and drives off at her BMW. All just for an influencer picture. And that drives me. I mean, if you're going to do charity, do charity. Don't be a poser on this stuff. Right. I mean, I'm now I'm guilty as most people. I don't give enough charity because, yeah, you know, I ain't got much.
0: What are, what are we give, taught
2: to
1: give as liberally as
2: you can without inconvenience to yourself? Yeah. I said, but you know, anytime you do anything for charity, like, you know, my dad was big bigger the J.C.'s in Missouri when I was younger, and I think he he loved doing it. I think he enjoyed it back in. But he, I saw him give a lot. They did a. Uh, I saw him give a, a kind of a speech one night, and I, it was like we were getting together toys for Christmas for kids for underprivileged kids and everything. And even back in, we didn't have a whole lot, but my dad still gave a lot, and people were giving these used toys to the J.C.s down there to give these kids. And my dad stood up in front of everybody goes how many of you guys want to wake up on Christmas morning with a used teddy bear in front of you or a used truck or a, a beat up this beat up that he said no we have to give new toys to these kids these kids have a hard enough life as it is without giving them something that's already been used and touched and
1: can Can I share will you let me share something on the podcast
2: as long as it's not, negative, not, not a negative picture of you yeah okay
1: <laughs> Ugh. so uh a year ago yesterday
2: okay do you know what happened
1: a year ago yesterday uh no that was one of the longest tornadoes in recorded history oh, that, that was the quad state tornado yeah, 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 so yeah, if you guys remember everyone listening no matter where you are in the country everybody knows kind of about kentucky the destruction idiot. that happened in kentucky and the southern and mid midwest
2: Right, Illinois, Kentucky. Illinois,
1: Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah the, the the quad state tornado happened. Uh, specifically, Mayfield was the one that got hit the hardest. Mayfield, yeah. Kentucky. Okay. Yep. So
2: really got flattened.
1: Yeah. So okay, this is all tyling, tying in with mental health and charity and and everything that so. this episode's <laughs> t- tying into. So uh December twenty twenty one. So I'm back active in lodge two months. Mm -hmm. And as you well know, because you and I got, you and I, again, and I want to stress the relationship that me and Todd have, Todd's saved in my phone as Big Bro Todd because Todd's kind of filled like a, I never had a brother. Todd's kind of filled the role of a surrogate big brother with me. Todd knows a lot about my personal life. I was in such a hole and the bankruptcy was getting ready to start. I didn't know how I was going to afford Christmas for the kids, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. So, I was nominated for the Toys for Tots in Du Bois County. Somebody anonymously nominated me, and uh that just man that that hit me oh, yeah. really hard and i I went and picked up the gifts on uh a Wednesday night, so that was two nights before the tornadoes came, yeah so the tornadoes came they leveled the state of Kentucky specifically more than any other state, yeah. So that Monday evening, which would have been like December 13th, 14th, whatever it was. Yeah. I got a phone call from 92.5 WBKR. They do the Christmas wish every year. Yeah. Okay. So somebody had nominated me for the Christmas wish. And that came not only with toys for the kids, but that also came with a Christmas meal that, you know, you have leftovers. You eat about three or four days. on, Right. Yeah. So for me and the kids. And
2: everything, yeah.
1: And Because, and I'm not looking for a pat on the back. That's not what this is. This is all tying in, I promise. I asked them, uh, I told them I didn't want this stuff. I said, hey, somebody just nominated me for Toys for Tots three or four days ago. I just went and picked the kids up stuff. This sweet lady on the phone tells me, missed for you and your kids, or for, well, for your kids, not me, plus a Christmas dinner. And I was like, and I asked them, I was like, um, Can do you know how to get in touch with the families that got hit by the tornado specifically? Mm. She's like, yeah, we 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 can get a hold of a few of them. I was like, I don't want this to go to just anybody, but can you take everything that was bought for my kids and can you give that to one of the tornado victims? Yeah, who don't have a Christmas. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, listen, like they're like, you can still come get this stuff. I'm like, it would be so easy for me to come do that. My kids can have this just bad christmas is just totally you know off the wall badass christmas or whatever but it was already sinking on me being back in the lodge two months we're taught about charity and i didn't want to accept Mm -hmm. that when somebody already nominated me for something i already got which i have appreciated because i couldn't afford the kids any christmas last Mm -hmm. year and then they're nominated again And they get it again, and this person tells me there's six or seven hundred dollars worth of stuff down here for three kids, and I just I wanted to give it to somebody else who needed it. Oh
0: yeah,
2: and and that's
1: and it was all working back into your theme that I was already starting to get happy and find something inside that was calming me. Oh yeah, and we're taught charity.
2: Oh yeah. I'm sure
1: you would have done the same thing if oh, yeah. you had been in my boat. They already got something here locally from Toys for Tots, oh, yeah. and then some as big as Owensboro calls and wants to give. Them some, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it. No, I wouldn't take it. And they no. promised me it would go to a tornado victim family, and I hope it did. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not. I'm not going to be upset if it went to another family in need, but True. there was. Hundreds of kids who were going to have absolutely no Christmas and that nothing year, at all, Man, and nothing at Red all. Red
2: Cross will give them something, but not much. And
1: I like to think that that's because of what we're taught in this room. No matter what lodge you're in, but in this room specifically, oh yeah, about charity.
2: Well, you learn to enter the in a degree. You know, you're now poor and penniless situation. you, let it
1: forever be a reminder to you. Yeah
2: your more penniless situation. Did you ever after meet a fellow brother, blah, blah, blah all that good stuff. I mean, but it's, it's, like I said, I think I said in a previous episode, or maybe this one, but, you know, you know, faith, hope, and charity, you know, why is it faith, hope, and love? It's right
1: up there on the wall. We're yeah. looking at it right now, faith, but, hope, and charity.
2: I heard a, uh, I refreshed a French podcast, you know, the one guy, <laughs> they had a guy on there who's a 33rd degree mason. I mean, we wouldn't think of the guy a big beard and everything, but. Um, but he said, he said, why is it faith, hope, and love? He said, in one of the Scottish Right degrees, and I don't remember this, but he said, because charity is love in action.
1: You can see the look on my face right now,
2: can't you? Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. I didn't either until they he said on that. I'm like, oh, wow. So, yeah. But remember, you know, was it faith made die for fruition. and hope does whatever? I forget the lecture, yeah. but charity extends upon, uh, beyond the grave. We can always do charity. I mean, you always leave something for somebody for charity. After you pass away, you can, whatever. But, you know, you can't have faith after you pass away. You can't have hope after you pass away. It's all gone. But charity extends past the grave. And charity makes you feel good, makes your mental health a little bit better. But, you know, I'm saying basically in general helped out my mental health tremendously. I was going nowhere. I mean, you heard my story. I was wow. I was just working and living life and everything. I finally found my team to be around that could root for me, help me out, pick me up when I'm down, tell them what I did wrong. And that and I'm not going to say it saved my life. I don't know what would have happened then, but it gave me some direction. It gave me some hope. It gave me some fun. I mean,
1: and you, and you can't put a price tag on that happiness. No. Like When when you literally feel trapped like, like I was, and then I'll, I'm back in at this, and Just the feeling that I got from just simply coming home from work. I had a night off from the second job. I could change, I could take a shower, put on clean clothes, and I could travel and go see a degree and get out of the house. I could get out of the house on a Tuesday night for five hours and I could go do Mm -hmm. something. And even if I didn't know a single person in that room,
2: you will by the end of the night.
1: I will by the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And I'll drive home with a feeling and warmth in my heart that for somebody that's not a Mason – they don't know what we're talking about. For, right. for everyone listening, you know that warmth that I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. You, you, you just feel good coming to Lodge. To me, it's never been a chore to come to Lodge. No. Or to go to the grotto or do whatever. It never felt like a and chore that's
1: that's And that's a whole other issue for a whole another episode sometime. That coming to Lodge for some yeah, you've is asked a chore.
2: Me, you've asked me in the past what kept me from being burned out when I was traveling four or five nights a week to the Lodges. Yeah, I did. Before. I, I said, I'd never felt it. I never felt like it ever was a chore. I never feel like I have to go do this. I have to go. No, I want to go do this. I want to go hang out with the guys. being I mean, I'm kind of an old soul anyway. You know, I wouldn't
1: be doing this Masonic podcast. Exactly.
2: I like talking Masonry. I like talking to guys. being I mean, I'm an old soul. So I like being an older generation anyway. That's just how I've always been. My dad's always said that, you know, I should have been born in the 50s, but that would have made him my brother. But, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He said it. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> being a teenager like yeah whatever you mean because i just like being older people i like the stories i like to you know i like to hear what they gotta say because you gotta learn from your past if you're ever gonna know about your future and you
1: plus know. if you're joke tellers like me and todd love a good joke <laughs> you're always bound to hear at least one good oh joke at a in in the fellowship hall before or after a degree because you know
2: somebody's always got a joke the only thing i don't like about it lodge, Right. When Skinner tried to rip one in there and just doesn't tell anybody he did it. <laughs> as far as Freemasonry and my mental health, it's helped me out tremendously. It felt that it, it filled the gap that was you know, I didn't even know was there sometimes, and that's the most important thing. He's like, you gotta feel, you gotta be fulfilled in your life. You know, my wife and kids. Don't get me wrong, love them to death. Could not st- see my life without them. But if I didn't have this now. I mean, now I'm not even as active as I used to be. I'm not a tenth of the way active as I used to be. I mean, I just can't now with kids and all the activities and work and everything it's else. Hard. Yeah, I just can't do it. I got responsibility. When I was going through the chair before, I didn't have anybody be responsible for. I was responsible for myself, me. The only person I had to worry about was me. Now I got my wife. I got my daughter. I got my son. I got to spend time with them. I'm not going to be an absentee father. Just no. You know, I could imagine. I mean, I know, guys who have done that, spent more time logged day with the kids, and even back then, I'm like, eh, maybe you need to spend a little more time with your family. You know, but you know, whisper good counsel in their ear, do what you can. If they take it, great. If not, well, you know, I did my best. You know, but the mental health of Freemasonry is Freemasonry itself. If you if you are a good Mason. I say you'll have good mental health, but there's still people out there that have mental problems. I mean, you're not—we're never not gonna get away from that. No, but to look at our older generation where they all suffered in silence. At least now it's a little more socially accepted to be able to say, "Hey, you know, I'm suffering here. Yeah, I and, need some help."
1: And one thing that I that I want to point out because Todd was Todd was we were talking before we started rolling tape. He goes, "I don't know how this is going to be," and. If if some if somebody if if you out there if you see someone that looks like they're suffering or struggling, there's a chance they probably are. Just talk to them. Talk to somebody, and if you are the person struggling, there's no sh- listen. Listen, this is me and Todd are both some very large, very round boys. We were raised with old school dads who is oh, yeah. you know boys be tough. Get Don't, over it. Get over it. Rub some dirt in it. There's no shame in asking for help. No. I mean, there's no shame in talking to someone.
2: Hey, I got something I need to talk about. Go ahead. Now, if, if God makes you uncomfortable, say, I'm just not real comfortable about this, but keep going. You know, just listen. biggest thing you do for anybody is just listen. And I is when we get off the chest.
1: And I'm here. If you need something, if you need someone to, to listen to, if you need someone to talk to at 2 30 in the morning because you're crying and you're thinking, you know what, I'm just gonna end, call me. Call me. Send me an send me an SOS text. If you have my number, send me a voice, you know, video chat me on you know, Messenger, whatever you need. Get I will I will drop everything I'm doing to help you realize that. The end is not really the end no. because I've been there. I've been there. I survived it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it took me a long time to realize how to start my life over. And I actually, honestly, I think I'm still learning how to do it, two and almost four years later now. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Um, I You know, every day I wake up another day. So,
2: Oh, yeah. Every day can be a little bit better.
1: All right, you got anything else to add? Um, I think we
2: did fine I think we're done just fine tonight.
1: I think we are hey, done just fine tonight. Don't get
2: me wrong, if you feel uncomfortable talking about mental illness, that's it, perfectly normal. Not everybody will talk about their feelings. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm over here, you know, I feel blah, blah, blah. I'm not, not saying that. I mean, saying if you are having struggles, you are, you know, you are overwhelmed by life. I mean, it does happen. Don't get me wrong. It happens to me all the time, even still. Life gets gets overwhelming sometimes. Sometimes you just got to stop. You go. I don't want to feel this way anymore. What can I, how can I change this? I mean, if you need to go see a doctor, go see a doctor. Do what you have to do to make yourself feel better. You know, there's no shame in it. No, you, you got to do what you got to do to make yourself feel good.
1: I am. Uh, I'm taking. I'm taking medication, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, if we're being honest. It, I can tell on days when I don't take it and I have a real habit and I'm sure I'm going to get a funny look from across the table from you here in about 30 (laughs) seconds. When I say this, sometimes I just decide to take myself off my medication for periods of time. And, uh, boy, what a mistake that turns out to be. (laughs) Uh, you know, I could be like, you know, I don't need a pill to chemically tell me how to feel. Oh, well, apparently, According to my biological makeup, I do because yeah. when I don't take it, I can tell. Oh yeah. Um, I've also well, been prescribed happy pills too, not just depression pill, little happy pills that make me sleep. Uh, uh, you know, for for anxiety, the little bitty, uh, what do they call the Atavans. That's yeah. uh, that's a whole other beast.
2: I see my daughter. She's on some form of ADHD medication. Not because she's sad or she has anxiety. I mean, for being a nine year old, she has pretty high anxiety. And but she's also ADHD, which I had it too when I was her age. I had
1: it too. I had to take Ritalin. They used to zombie me out. Oh no, man.
2: I got I got beat a lot. <laughs> I mean that's how that's how you cure it back in the day. Now, you, now that's not good. I mean to me, I'm one of the lucky ones in my life. I think because I had, I mean I had ADHD bad as a kid. It wasn't until I got in high school that something clicked in my brain to where I started focusing then. My freshman year on, I mean, I was, I mean, I could pay attention to class now. Oh, hey, I could actually listen to this guy and learn. Where, you know, as a young kid, I could not do that. I could not, I could not no more look at the teacher than I could look out the window. I mean, it didn't matter. You know, but something clicked to me in high school. I'm one of the lucky ones that got through that, where some people my age still have it bad. And I won't lie about that, but I'm one lucky with something changed my freshman year of high school where I was able to actually zone in and actually listen to a teacher for the first time ever. You know, my daughter has a bad like I told this before, my daughter spit the image me. Not looks, but attitude and everything else. She can't sit still. She can't, you know, she has to watch three different things on a phone, a tablet, a TV. Little Todd. I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. But I'm the kind of person where I can focus on two different things. I think it comes from having my ADHD, as a, a whatever I had. I don't know if it's ADHD, but I had some kind of attention deficit something. Where I can focus, I can look at my phone and watch TV at the same time. and know that's what's going on with both of them. I'm just my brain chemistry works that way. Where some people are like, I only focus on this, or I can only focus on that. I can be having a conversation with you and talking to another guy over here. It's not difficult for me to do that. And I'm one of the strange people like that. But you know, back And
1: again, nothing wrong with that. mm -mm.
2: But the people who, you know, say, Well, I just can't focus. Well, maybe you do need a little help focusing on something. I mean, don't make yourself a zombie or anything like that, but maybe you do need something to help you do that. And you know, my daughter has high anxiety. I mean, it's sometimes crippling for her if something bad happens and she's not ready for it, it could be a struggle with her. And so and as an old school father like I was raised by, him, like I am, you so badly will say, "Well, just get over it." But no, sometimes you go, "Okay, what do you need? What do you need right now?" All right, no, no, okay, all right, just, just relax.
1: Then just take a breath and tell me. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, I just, know.
2: Just relax. Nothing else matters right now. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes what you got to tell yourself: nothing else matters right now. Just be who I am. Now I'm thinking of Metallica
1: and nothing else <laughs> matters.
2: Every time I hear that now. You know how they say like Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. You see, ever see that, that meme, Black Lives Matter, Blue? Lives, didn't you see Metal? Nothing else matters. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I think of that, that's, yeah, it goes a whole scenario in my head. But I'm also halfway crazy. So, <laughs> but yeah, don't be afraid. If you need help, reach out to somebody and get help. It's not worth you know in your life. It's not worth hurting yourself. It's not worth. I cut myself to feel. No, that ain't you know that ain't right. But
1: You know, I, I look back um and <laughs> I'm oftentimes told that uh maybe I spoil the baby a little compared to the other two and I say no. So so here's the deal. I feel that as a parent it's your job to facilitate a unique and different bit, bond. Right? <laughs> yeah, well I mean Facilitate. It's your job to facilitate a different and unique bond with each and every one of your children. I have. I was blessed. Okay. My ex-wife gave me three children. I have a different and unique bond with all three of my children. Uh, specifically, my youngest one, my my little bitty. She's four years old, and I ha- I feel like my bond is probably the strongest with her. This one is a daddy's girl. Through and through I saw that. and through, yeah, yeah, you can tell. Uh,
2: saw that daddy daughter dance, yeah, you Jeez, saw all that daddy that Daughter daddy dance, yeah, run around in circles. Well, my <laughs> oldest
1: one would at the daddy daughter dance just wanted to run around with her friends,
2: but how's it feel? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right,
2: it's what mine did, <laughs> but you know,
1: I don't even remember where I was going with this.
2: <laughs> well, you get you, you get a different bond with all your kids, like I have a different bond with my son, I do with my daughter. Me and my son, we're all about having a good time joking with I other. My, and my daughter, we're, you know, we're too much alike, put it that way. I know that. <laughs> me and my son are, you know, we're joking. or We we'll, we wrestle a lot, stuff like that. But it's really always a good time. He never takes me seriously. I mean, he's five years old, and we're still going through pie training with him. Because he won't take me seriously every time I say, you're being a bad boy, you know, doing whatever. Just laughs at me. He don't take me seriously at all. <laughs> but, so. You know it's
1: just there's no strength there's no there's no nothing wrong with with going out to get help, no, and uh I really wish I could remember the point I was gonna make about the kids, but I had it, and then I got distracted, squirrel in the room, and I lost but it.
2: but if you are are struggling to get help, but you know come to lodge, hang out with your brothers I mean be get out of the house, come out here, and maybe we'll have a warm meal, maybe we'll have a, a cup of coffee for you, but come out and talk, have a good time. You know, if you're, you are struggling, you have a brother you can trust. Talk to him. Don't be afraid to not talk to him.
1: Me and Todd are always here. I mean,
2: well, most of the time, <laughs> until they cancel me, you know. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if mental health and mastery go hand in hand, I mean, I think it's improved my mental health hundred um, percent. Even from the day I was initiated, I mean, it, I, it, it helped. It kept my mind occupied. It gave me something to do. It gave me a, a list of rules to go by. I love it. I love every bit of
1: it. And, and I do too, again. like the This is uh, – I did this when I was 20. I wish I would have did it when I was 18. I mean, I it's such a big difference. I lost two years, but
2: – I did when I was 24, so th- – This is – you know,
1: this yeah, is – uh, I didn't know I was missing it, and, I, and I'm glad uh, – Oh, I know the point I was going to make now earlier. There just, we go. Just, yeah, but, but – <laughs> You you know, you're talking about – you had said, you know, when you – it's not worth losing. When I think about the bond that I have with all these kids and and when I think about especially what the last four years have been with my youngest and how that would have impacted her life that night. She was – that was February. She was 10 months old at the time. I mean, she would have had absolutely – no memory, zero memory of me. Mm-hmm. And for those of you out there that have seen me with Riot Grace, you know what I'm talking about. That I, I hang oh, the daddy. moon, I hang the moon, and I I raise and set the sun for that little girl. Do I not? Oh yeah. And the you know and and, and Bentley, Bentley is uh, 11 now. When I think about you know he's you know been asking me you know he's getting interested in. And starting to get interested in girls, and he's asking questions mm-hmm. about cars and sports and, and everything. He wouldn't have that with me now. Mm-hmm. And Briley, Briley just loves when it's just her and I curled up on the couch watching TV. My middle one, she's eight. Like, that's that's our thing. We have lazy days together. Like, I would have robbed these children out of all these memories. mm mm-hmm. So don't think that I don't take that seriously when I talk about how serious I take mental health now because I would have done the most ungodly worst thing to them I could have ever done that night.
2: Well, it's, um, I heard one time oh, uh, O.J. Robertson from the Duck Dynasty guys. I guess his son had a suicide thing years ago, I guess, something like that. He found out about it. He said, you know, suicide is the most selfish thing you can do. And it it is it is I mean, it's a it's an easy way out of life and everything. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm not going to say it's ever good, but I'm just saying, that, you know, you're baptized. You give your soul to the God and Jesus. It's not no longer yours to take. So it's kind of selfish if you're willing to, you know, take it and take your life stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I, and I'm not a super religious, Bible thumper, you know, stuff like that. I mean, just that's not my thing. But that kind of hit a chord with me. It's like, man, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, maybe not don't make a lot of sense to other people. But remember, it's, you know, it's just not your life you're taking. Everybody's got to remember that. If you need help, get help. If you think you can get through it, don't get through it. But get uh, help.
1: All right, guys. <laughs> well, there it is. It's PSA. Get help. This was this – was, I think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done. So, guys – uh In closing, uh, again, thanks for your support. Please like and share the podcast with people. Share,
2: like, subscribe.
1: Help put the word out. Yep. uh, For um, for (laughs) Brother Todd. (laughs) Brother Jared. This was another episode of that other Masonic podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Peace.